You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the January 2014 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Ring! I'm Ali's phone. <laughs> so we're here, 2014, excited about it, and today we're going to talk about hiring the best people. But before we get to that, uh, I just want to mention a couple things coming up this year that you do not want to miss, and it's open to everybody, uh, and that's the Israel trip, uh, Perry, that you'll be leading March 27th through April the 4th. If anybody out there wants some information on that, just go to newspring.cc and everything you need is there uh, to get signed up. But you need to go fast if you want to go because I'm sure that trip is getting full. Also, if you're a ninth through 12th grader or you know one or you have one or you have this ministry at your church, Perry will also be leading a trip for those people in particular, those students in particular. Finished ninth grade, just finished 12th grade in all the grades in between, June 16th through the 24th a trip to Israel specifically for students. Again, you can get all that information between or at newspring.cc. Uh, so go there and get that information and get signed up quick if you'd like to take those trips. Perry, is there anything else I need to say about the Israel trips before we move on? No, the Israel trips are going to be amazing. Um, I know what they've done in my life. I know what they've done in the life of everybody we've gone over there with. Um, there's nothing else I would say about that. I will say about this, you know, this is the January edition of the Leadership Podcast, brand new year. Later on this year, this is a really exciting announcement, but later on this year, we're going to be announcing the conference dates for a conference that we're going to do um, called the Double Conference. And in that conference, we're literally going to talk to you about how to double the size of your church. That's all I'm going to say about it because I could do the whole podcast about it. But those dates are going to be announced later on this year. Yeah, look forward to that. That's going to be a great conference. So get ready, and we'll get you those, get you that information as soon as possible. Uh, Perry, probably the most important ingredient ingredient to having a, success, a successful church organization is having the right people on the team. Too often we get so busy that we fall into the trap of hiring additional staff just to fill gaps and don't really take enough time to find the right people. But over the last couple of years, uh, you and I, our leadership team, and many in our staff have had uh, some time with some of the top leaders in the world, both from churches and marketplace organizations, and they've all told us the same thing, that the most important thing that we do is hire the right people. So today, uh, we're going to talk about what we've been learning as we try to improve our own hiring process and hopefully uh, shed some light to our listeners so they can improve theirs as well. So with that... Uh, let me just ask you this first question. What do you think, or why do you think, the importance of hiring the right people is something that gets so easily overlooked? Um, I know one of the mistakes that, that I've made, that, I, that we've made, is we get caught up in thinking, um, well, they seem to be a good person, so just because they're a good person um, means that they'll be a good staff member. Uh, and, and that's not true. Um, just because, I mean, I know good people that do bad work. Um, and, and I know some, I mean, if you study the marketplace, I know some pagans that do really awesome work. So, um, I think that's the mistake that we can get caught up in, but in Jim Collins book, good to great, which is just one of those books. I think every leader should read. Um, Jim says, you gotta have the right people on the bus. It doesn't even really matter if you have them in the right seats at first. But the right people in the right positions always equals progress. 
Um, and that's just one of those things that I think we've rightly focused on over the years is, you know what, the most important thing in the world is to get the right people. So true. Um, looking back, what are some common mistakes you think that we made early on at New Spring or maybe common mistakes you see others making in this area? Well, um, th there's a few there's a few common mistakes that that we made. And I, I've actually got a blog post on this. I pulled it up um, a while ago. I think um, the first one is talking yourself into hiring someone. Um, I've learned the hard way that anytime you have to talk yourself into hiring somebody, you've you've made the wrong decision. Um, because if it's if it's the right person for the job, you won't have to convince yourself. Um, con that that's a really good indication. Um, the second one is uh, I think a mistake we made is we've been more obsessed with filling a position than finding a right person. Um, maybe the workload's beginning to increase, and because the workload is increasing, it's like oh my gosh, we got to hire somebody, we got to get them in this role. And we wind up rushing the hire. And when you do that, nine times out of ten, you're going to hire the wrong person. Um, I would. I, one of the things I always tell people is it's better to have no one in the position than the wrong person in the position. Because if you have no one in the position, you don't have to go back and clean up the mess that no one made because no one made it. Uh, having the wrong person in the position will hurt you more in the long run than having no one in the position. Um, the third thing that we've done is, is uh, when you hire somebody that thinks they're an expert and they proclaim what an expert they are, um, nine times out of ten, they're not coachable. And if you have somebody that's not coachable, um, they're going to turn into a prideful, arrogant person, which is one of the things that God lists in Scripture that he hates the most, and so that's why um, that never works. The, the next thing, um, I could go on this for days, just things we've learned is if somebody blames uh, the past three, four, five jobs that they've had, if they're always blaming their boss or blaming their circumstances or blaming their situations as to why they've never thrived or they've never really made it that far um, in their particular field, um, they're a victim. And it won't be long before they're sitting across another in, um, interview table blaming you for all the mistakes that you made and not listening to them. Um, so those are just some of the ones. Um, oh, and the, and the last one, is uh, the thought of spent, spending time with that person absolutely makes you want to jump out the window. Um, you can't imagine spending time. They, they give you the creepy crawlies um, every time you uh, get in their presence. And th the thing is, there's going to be some days that you spend more time with that person than you do uh, your, your family. I mean, good gosh. And so one of the things, one of the general rules I've, I've, I've learned to establish is I don't hire people that I don't like. And you can call that crazy. You can call it weird. You can call it superficial. I call it Christ-like. He seemed to like everybody, mm -hmm. um, even even Judas. I mean, he, I mean, there was no internal struggles there for three years that that we really know of. It's only toward the end of his ministry when Judas really seemed to fall apart. So, um, hiring people that you like. Those are just some of the ones that that pop in my mind. Those are those are really great. I'm just wondering of all those five, or maybe all of them put together, uh, or things we've learned. I know over the years, but was there any trigger or something that happened or a season of time in New Spring's journey that caused us to move toward taking our time and looking for these things or not looking for these things when it comes to our hiring process? Well, um, there's phases in it, and it depends on what phase you're in. If you're a listener and you have a smaller church. Um, when I say smaller church, uh, let's, let's, let's go with the number 500, 500 or less. 
um, when we did when we have 500 or less, basically all the hiring was done by me um, because I knew everybody. Um, when we had a church of 500, 500, I knew everybody and their pets. I mean, I, I just knew them. I spent time with these uh, people. I knew what they were about. I knew where they were from. I knew what they were doing. And so I knew. I knew where they worked. I knew how well they did at work. I mean, just through conversations. And so I hired most of those people, and it was fairly easy. Um, when the church got past 500, um, I couldn't know everybody. And so we had some really, really awesome, qualified people coming to our church that were there that could fill positions, but I didn't know them. And so I had to start going outside of the circles I knew to what I would call the next layer of leadership. And I would be like, hey, we're looking for somebody to fill this role. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Um, once we got past um, 1,000, we started taking people like through more formal interviews, which I would recommend it doing before 1,000, uh, to be quite honest with you. I would do it at 150. Mm-hmm. Um, and I w- if I had to do it all over again, I would back up and take people through the process that we have in place now. Um, and, and then, you know, that's the way it is that, you know, after 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, you got to go way beyond who you know. Because if you don't go beyond who you know, you're going to um, miss out on some really great hiring opportunities. Uh, what would be some of the benefits? You said if you had to do it over again, you would actually go back and take people you knew through an interview process. What would be some of the benefits uh, to taking somebody you feel like you know fairly well, you've seen them work, or you've done life? What would be some of the benefits to our listeners out there to actually taking people that uh, they know well through a formal interview process? Yeah, I think what it does is it um, clears up any misconceptions that a person may have about working at a church. Um, one of the biggest surprises that we have um, when people come on staff at New Spring, um, whether they come here from another church or wh- um, whether they come from the corporate world, is after about the first week, um, you know, you run into them in the hall and you, you say, hey, how's it going? And they go, man, I can't believe how tired I am when I go home. Uh, man, you guys really, really do work hard. And, you know, an interview um, gives me some time to, sp- to look at the, the candidate for the position and say, um, I need for you to understand that we work hard here. And just because you're a Christian does not mean you can do a crappy job. Um, because if you do crappy work, um, we'll, we'll, we will fire you. Um, the church uh, in, in the past is like, oh, you can't fire somebody um, because we got to be like Jesus. Um, if you're going to be like Jesus, you need to hold people accountable to what their potential is. And if people are not working to what their potential is, then you've got to try to encourage them past that. But if they can't get past it, you've got to, as I like to say, release them into brand new opportunities. <laughs> um, and so that, that just gives... Uh, me the chance or whoever's doing the interviewing the chance to say hey we work hard here and you're you're going to be tired so you need to make sure that um that you're not coming into this job because you think christians don't work hard um i think we're i think we should be the hardest working people on the planet that's to, that, that's a really good point that it's not just to learn more about them but it's also to set some values and standards so they understand what they're getting into right 
Um, one of the things you mentioned earlier uh, is that over time we've learned to really slow our process down. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it important when you're in the hiring process to try to actually slow things down as opposed to speed things up? Well, once again, it goes back to hiring, finding the right person, not filling the position. I mean, that's huge. I come back to that over and over again. But the thing I've learned is um, anybody can look good for one interview um, because all they give you is their highlight reel. And, you know, if, um, you know, think about uh, high school football players that are trying to get to college, they put together a film of their, their best plays. I mean, they don't show, right. hey, this is the blocking assignment that I missed, and this is the time I fumbled the ball, and this is the time I dropped the pass. I mean, they put together a highlight reel. And basically the first interview with a person, um, all you're getting is their highlight reel. Um, those questions, and I'll just – but some of the – some interview questions that – companies and churches ask are the most lame thing I mean lame lame questions um, because they're they're out of a can I mean anything that a college class prepared that person for as far as an interview that question should never be asked you know if you were a car what type what type of car for you what the freak does that have to do with a church you're not a car you're a person we're trying to reach people far from God you know um, so I, but going back to the original question um, Every everybody can look good in one interview. That's why you need to put them through multiple interviews. Uh, speaking of multiple interviews, uh, why don't you take our listeners through uh, just an overview of our current process? Again, this is not something we've always done, but over the last couple of years, kind of uh, evolved into into a process with several layers. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I'm, and I'm glad you wrote this down for me because if I had to recall it from memory, <laughs> I just hope I wrote it trouble. down right. I think you it's did. pretty close. If not, I'm sure somebody from HR who's That's listening right. to this podcast <laughs> will correct us. Um, but they don't do a podcast, so it doesn't God matter. God forbid if I actually check um, what I write down before right. I write it down. Good gosh, that'd be horrible. <laughs> um, the the first thing we do um, is, and, and you know, Shane, we don't always do this, but you know, application. Yeah. Um, people fill out an application. Um, I think I, mean, I think there's a couple times we've hired people and said, hey, you need to go back and fill out one of these we so have. we can have it on, on file. But um, it's usually good to start. And those answer some basic questions and things like that. And then that person has a conversation with a hiring supervisor. Um, what's really cool about somebody when they fill out an application and having a conversation with a hiring supervisor is – it gives the hiring supervisor either a, hey, I I think we need to go to the the next conversation, or um, a lot of times just that conversation, the hiring supervisor can be like, "Mm, I can't get, I just can't get that thing in my gut to feel right. And by the way, that thing in your gut, usually that's the Holy Spirit going, don't hire this person. (laughs) Um, And so, so, uh, that eliminates a lot of um, unnecessary time. But if that conversation goes well, we have um, the first meeting or the first interview, and we have um, specific people on our interview team that ask you know certain questions. Um, and then we have a second interview with um, some of the same people, but many many of them being different. Mm-hmm. And then after they go through that interview, um, the third interview is um, with another group of staff along with two members of our senior leadership team, that our directional leadership team. Um, and if they make it through those three interviews, I mean, they've really got to w- want to work here. We had a guy tell us recently, the, the interview process um, made me realize, oh, my gosh, I really do want to work at this church or um, I would not be going through the process. 
Um, the other thing that we do uh, is, you know, sometimes we'll have a potential assignment for the interviewee to say, hey, you need to go do this or we need to see what you could do here. And then the big thing I tell people whenever interviewing people is check their references. If they tell you I was at such and such place or I worked at such and such church or I did such and such, call them. Um, now, I, what's weird about that is I don't think legally you can give a bad reference over the telephone, which is really weird. <laughs> some people don't know the law. Um, no, so, yeah, but that's the good thing. <laughs> some people don't know the law. Um, but other people, it's like, hey, you know, the question I ask is, hey, if they wanted to come back today, being dead honest, would you hire them right now? And if there's a pause, go thank you yeah. and just hang up. The other thing, and I forgot who told us this, Shane, but it's so true, ask the people – uh, what their Facebook address yep. is, ask them what Twitter, Instagram, because they leave a footprint. Yep. They leave a footprint. If you go look at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, you will see the kind of person that you're hiring. What do they tweet about? What are they Facebooking about? What are they putting pictures um, of on the Internet? They will tell you who they are. That's one of the greatest resource tools that people have when it comes to the hiring process. Yep. I was going to mention that too. I think we heard that listening to uh, was it Lee Dave Cockrell? Ramsey. I think or it was Dave, Dave Ramsey. Ramsey's hiring guy. Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Yes. Is that right? I think it was. Yeah. Dave Ramsey. I yes. thought that was great because you're right. People can paint whatever picture they want, but you can go see their lives played out in social media now. And so it's just a real neat insight that we used to didn't have. Yeah. It's like, hey, I love Jesus. Okay. Well, why'd you drop the f bomb in Twitter seven times yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I can't get past that. No. All right, next question. Um, oh, the other thing, too, just let me add about our process. It's okay. We frequently drop people out at every stage of the process. Yeah, after like, the first Like, just because they start going doesn't mean we take them all the way through. We only want Mm-mm. to keep people moving mm-hmm. forward that we really feel might have potential for the job. Yes, if it, after the first interview, everybody's like, eh, better not. You know, <laughs> yeah. after that, little pitch, perfect reference there. After that, we're like, hey, we need to – you know, it's okay to shut down the process if it's not working. So the next couple of questions, let me just, it's really the same question in two different ways. And you mentioned this earlier in the podcast. We'll spend a little time on it though. But why do you think we try to talk ourselves into hiring someone who doesn't seem like a perfect fit? Well, there's two reasons. Um, The first is, you know, going back to what we've already said, we want to fill the position the next, and it's a mistake that we make in the church, and Shane, I've made this mistake, is we hire people that we feel sorry for. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for this person. They've never caught a break. They got a sad story. They got, you know, they lost their job, and there might be something that we can do in the church. And, um, hey, listen, staff members should not be benevolence projects, That's good. period. Um, if you feel sorry for them and you want to help them out financially, just cut them a check. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm all about benevolence. But just because you feel sorry for them doesn't mean you need to give them a job. It might mean you need to help them find a job, but don't hire someone because you feel sorry for them. Here's the other thing that I've noticed, Shane, about hiring mistakes, especially in church world. You don't have this as much in corporate world. Um, You'll have people that'll say, um, I'm just going to volunteer all the time, and they're volunteering and volunteering. And, and, 
you have these conversations like, hey, why are you volunteering so much? Man, you do an incredible job. Well, I hope I get a job here one day. Well, people that are volunteering for a job, and that's the only reason they're volunteering in your church, they very seldom work out. That's true. Because they think that once they get on staff, they don't have to work hard. And we've already talked about that. <laughs> you know, you mentioned this, but I, I would say it this way. It's cool to identify potential in somebody and want to invest in that. It's not a good idea in hiring to take on a project that you're going to have to try to uh, – recreate the person just because of all the reasons that you mentioned agree 100 percent um the flip another way to ask this why do we sometimes talk ourselves out of asking someone to be on staff or, or take on a role that we might think is a perfect fit like why don't we shoot for the stars why, why do we talk ourselves out of trying to go after people uh and and put in our put in their own mouths well they just wouldn't want to do it um a couple things i think for years there's been kind of this um, stigmatism that if you work in the church, it's because you can't make it in what some people call the real world, which drives me up the wall um, when people talk about the real world. Because I'm like, how many um, how many couples have you counseled of you know they they've had an affair? How many how many addicts have you sat down with? How many babies funerals have you preached? How many? I mean. I've seen more of the real world than anybody cares to see. And if you're in ministry, you've, you've seen it too. It's not fun. It's not pretty. But um, that's been the stigmatism that's been attached to the church is if you can't make it in the real world, you go work in the church. Um, and so sometimes we'll look at a, a candidate for a position and we'll say, oh, my gosh, they, they do a good job in – um, the corporate world, they, there's no way they would want to come and work at a church. Oh, my gosh, here's the big one. We could never pay them what they would make in the corporate world to work in our church. And so we'll talk ourselves out of it. But I can tell you story after story after story of people that took pay cuts to come on staff at New Spring um, because, Shane, everything that I've read, and I've, I've done a lot of reading on this in particular the past three or four years, is people aren't motivated especially this next generation they're not motivated as much by money they want to be committed to a cause that they know is making a difference and if they're doing something where they're making a lot of money and they keep making more money eventually they feel used um they want to know i'm committed to something bigger than myself that's making a significant change in the world and that's going to outlive me when i pass on um, those are the things that people are looking for. And honestly, I think the church is the only organization in the world that can offer those things. I think we ought to have the best um, musicians. I think we ought to have the best artists. I think we ought to have the best leaders. I think we ought to have the best um, video. I think we ought to have the best everything um, because the Holy Spirit empowers that work to be done and those are the kind of people that I think the church should be going for. Identify the best people in your church that you would love to hire and go for them. That's great. Don't say no for them. Right. Um, let me get your thoughts on this, uh, especially for a church or for New Spring or churches, uh, about hiring internal candidates, people already who are part of your church, or versus hiring external candidates, somebody that we would hire that has no current connection to our church. Um, Shane, it depends on what season I'm in in our church to whether or not you would you would ask me this. Here's here's what I've noticed: external superstars 
hardly ever work out at a church. Um, like if you go after a superstar at another church, I mean, this person is just a superstar, and you're going to bring them in to your team, and you're going to try to, um, you know, help them take your team. Now, I, I'm not saying they won't do good work. I'm saying it's kind of like when Randy Moss went from the Vikings. He played for the Minnesota Vikings, and he got picked up by the New England Patriots. And New England Patriot fans, you know, all four of them lost their minds. I'm just kidding. I know you're out there. You don't have to email. Um, but they lost their minds because they were like, oh, my gosh, Randy Moss is going to take our team to the next level. And he fizzled when he got there. because he was because, Just because you're a superstar on one team doesn't mean you're going to be a superstar on another team. Now, the, the external people that have worked out and they've done well are the people um, that are what I call coachable, teachable, and humble. And they, they come in and they're not going, hey, you should hire me because of all the awesomeness that I would bring to the team. They're like, this is a church where I feel like I could be committed to this cause and I want to help come in and make a difference. People from the outside that have that attitude, um, most of the time, will be successful in the role. Superstars, however, um, are seldom successful in the role because they know they're superstars. Um, on the flip side, internal, um, I, that's the first place we always look. We always look internally to see who we have in our church because, um, and, and the main reason is, you don't have to teach them the DNA, the values, the structure, the way things operate. And if somebody can already come into a church knowing those things, they're um, 50 or 75 yards ahead of anybody else that you would have to hire um, to, to, to bring in. So I always tell people, our internal works best, but internal should not be the only place that people look. You can externally look for people that are that really want to be committed to a cause bigger than themselves. Yeah, that's good. Uh, speaking of looking for people, what are some things you look for uh, to identify potential leaders? Um, I look I look for the likability factor. Like, would I want this person over for dinner? That's huge. Um, I look for people that that really want to, I call it, and I, I saw a TED talk on this, and uh, I don't know, I don't even know how you find this on the internet. Uh, every time I talk about it, somebody has to email it to me. But it's somebody that talks about the grit factor. I look for somebody that has grit, meaning they got determination. They, they're do whatever it takes people. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm going to get it done. If somebody asks them to do something, they're not going to give you seven reasons why I think that's a bad idea or 14 reasons why it can't be done. Um, they're going to just get it done. Um, those people, and, and, and people that are humble, people that remember where they came from, uh, those type of people are the people that I want on my team. And, 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 and just to be honest with you, I look for people that have a good attitude. Cannot stand a bad attitude. Drives me up the wall. You are responsible for your attitude and um, – so th those are just some of the things I look for. Those are really good. The thing I was thinking about as you were saying that, that a lot of people can say they have all those things. It's really cool when you can see that they're doing those things. Yeah. Um, Perry, why don't you uh, – of course, you've kind of talked around these things, but it's, it, these are really great 
uh, identifiers uh, for potential staff members. Tell, tell our listeners about the four H's. Actually, we have five H's, Shane. Oh, that's right. Um, we do. We we're going to edit H's. the fifth H. Um, actually, I'm not going to edit it. I'm Let's just going to go it. ahead and say it. Okay, good. Um, because we're not scared, and, and this is toward the end of the podcast. Some people have already cut yeah, it off. Yeah, they've already cut it off. Um, that's right. The first H is humble. Uh, you got to be humble. Um, humble people don't care whether or not they get attention. Like if you got a staff member coming to you going, oh my gosh, you know, so-and-so has been recognized three or four times for the work that they've done and I don't get recognized. And I'm like, uh, what, why do you want to be recognized? Um, somebody that's humble, um, doesn't want a lot of attention, doesn't demand um, a lot of uh, accolades or anything. They just show up every day. They do their job. They, they go home. They get up every day. They, the next day they do their job. Um, hardworking. Um, we, we talked about the, the grit factor. Hard work, and by the way, hardworking doesn't mean you're at church uh, 21 hours a day. Um, sometimes that's dumb working. Uh, we tell people all the time, work smarter, not, not harder. Um, you can be a hard worker and work seven or eight hours a day. Yeah, I, you know, I some, know some people that can work four or five hours a day, and they get done in more, they get more done in four or five hours, and a lot of people get done in you know, eight or nine. Yeah. So hardworking doesn't has nothing to do with time. That's right. It has everything to do um, with the amount of work that gets done in that time. Um, so anyway, hardworking. The next one is honest. Um, you got, I mean, p- listen, integrity and character are the two most important things that a person has to have. And the thing about um, making a mistake is if I make a mistake like I'm preaching um, and I give a wrong Bible reference, you know, I say Matthew 13 when I meant to say John 13, that can be corrected. And that's not a problem, okay? If I steal $13,000, um, <laughs> that is a problem. And no matter if I get on stage and go, hey, I you know, stole $13,000 last week, um, I feel really bad about it, and I hope we can move on past this. Um, well, yeah, some people go, oh, let's feel sorry for them, but... I've lost that ability to ask for people to trust me. And once a leader loses trust, once they compromise their character, um, once they once they give people a reason to have question marks, because let's be honest, um, people don't view churches uh, today the same way they viewed churches 50 years ago. And 50 years ago, churches and pastors had respect in the community. Now, at best, we have... Um, skepticism. Mm-hmm. So we can't afford to compromise that character. Um, fourth is hungry. Um, and I don't mean for food. I mean for uh, being Although willing. That's okay. But yeah, I'm hungry for food right now. I'm sitting here <laughs> looking at um, some food that they brought in. Um, but hungry for food, or hungry, hung, hungry for food. See, there you go. I'm actually going to have a bowl of frosted mini wheats tonight. That's my meal I on Sunday nights. I do too. They are so good, um, and I think they're good for you because they've they got wheat on one side. They got wheat and fiber. Yeah, and we all know fiber's good. <laughs> yeah. Fiber's a core value of our church. Anyway, hungry, <laughs> um, hungry is one of those things that you got to have people that want to learn. Like for example, when I have a person go come into my office and they go, well. I feel like I don't have anybody investing in me. I feel like I don't have anybody pouring into me. I feel like I don't have anybody this or that. Um, I always sit them down at a computer and I say, um, this is a computer. You hit this button right here, it takes you to this thing called the internet. And the internet has all kinds of things on it. Look at this article. Look at this blog. Look at this TED Talk. Look at this you know, leader. Um, here's, a, here's something called a book. Oh my gosh. And it doesn't matter if you want it on a Kindle or if you want it 
um, in, in like what some people call, I call them old-fashioned books. Um, if you want an old-fashioned book, um, here's a book by Andy Stanley. Here's a book by Jim Collins. Here's a book by Patrick Lencioni. You can spend as much time with those people as you want to spend with them because they've written everything they would tell you in person. They've written it for you in a book. The beautiful thing about it is you get to pay nineteen ninety-five rather than their um, $50,000 consulting fee to hear the same thing. <laughs> I'm right. telling you. If, if people are hungry, they learn to feed themselves. My little girl cares. She's six years old. If she's hungry, she don't sit in a crib and cry. She goes to the refrigerator and gets something to eat. Um, so if you got a bunch of people sitting around your church crying about how they're not fed, um, you probably have a bunch of babies. Um, and then the, the last H is hella smart. Um, and that, I didn't say hello. Um, I said hella smart. You got to have people that are smart. You got to have people that are intelligent. If they don't know everything about um, the the thing that you've hired them to do, they've got to be willing to figure it out. Um, once again, I think Christians ought to have the smartest people on the planet doing the work. Um, I don't think that we should go and look for the people with the lowest IQ and put them in the job with the highest potential. I think people, and by the way, IQ has nothing to do. That was actually a bad illustration because I'm sure my IQ is somewhere in the, um, I'm I'm pretty sure it's above freezing, um, 32, but but I'm not sure where it it falls on that scale. But you've got to have people that have the mental capacity to do the job um, and there's some people that do and some people that don't. And the people that don't, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love them. It doesn't mean they're not going to heaven. It just means that maybe they don't need to be promoted into that leadership position or hired to take on all of that leadership responsibility. Yeah, that's really good. So humble, hardworking, honest, hungry, and hella smart. Perry, that'll about wrap up uh, today's podcast. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Um. No, not really. I think I think we've just about said it all. I was trying to think of something incredibly profound to say right there, but um, that'll happen after the frosted mini wheats. Yes, tonight, Sunday night tradition. I go home, I eat frosted mini wheats, and I watch Once Upon a Time with oh, my yeah. wife. It's a great show, by the way. Yeah, props for Once I, Upon a Time. Hey, man, I'm all about some Once Upon a Time, and it's not a great show because I like it. It's a great show because my wife says I really like it when you sit on the couch with me and watch once a fun time yes lord all right that's all i'm gonna say about that we'll do a podcast on that sometime probably not yeah well here we go that's it for january 2014 be look at be on the lookout for the double conference information coming your way soon and we'll see you next month